Hi guys and welcome back to the Apex Delta Coaching Podcast. My name is Kieran Moore and I'm the head coach and owner of Apex Delta Coaching. On this show, my aim is to help educate, inform and drive you to get stronger, fitter and more resilient as an athlete and human. I'll discuss different topics in strength, fitness, mindset and more, as well as talking with guests on their area of expertise so you can upgrade your training and reach your peak performance. Today I was joined by Morgan Young. Morgan is an Olympic weightlifting coach who has coached athletes at the international, national, local and recreational levels. He provides some great insight into weightlifting at the international level as well as at the respective lower levels and what the coaching process looks like. With that, let's get into today's show. Hi Morgan, how's it going? Hi, yes, all good thanks, how are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Had a good good day? Awesome. Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Um, and I'm very happy to, happy to be here, so thanks for inviting awesome. me. How's, uh, how's lock, lockdown been treating you? Oh uh, yeah, not too bad, to be honest. Like, you know, it's, yeah, it's... Same as everyone else, can't go out, can't do much, but you know, mm. still been able to, uh, to work from home and things like that. So I'm quite lucky. Um, and yeah, yeah it's just interesting. Kind of, most of the people I'm going to end up talking to on this podcast are going to be in some way connected to health and fitness. Uh, so it's yeah. kind of it's a it's a strange one at the moment, given that we're probably one of the industries that's had one of the bigger impacts in terms of work. Yeah, I understand. It's a it's a strange world. <laughs> mm, yeah, very. But no, thanks for taking the time to chat. You know. Yeah, no, it's awesome to have you on. Um, so yeah, first off, I think it'd be really, really great if you could just introduce yourself. So who you are, how you got into the world of coaching. Um, yeah. Yeah, a bit of the kind of like the background pitch. Great. Yeah, of course. So I um, I qualified as a, a PT when I was like 17. Um, so did like a kind of, I was always active. Um, and then in terms of sport, like I was a javelin thrower. Um, so like a fairly high level, so like kind of top five in the UK when I was a junior. Um, and from, from there, um you know had a, had interest in fitness and stuff like that you know as a lot of people do when they maybe school um and yeah just became a pt started working in like a commercial gym um as like a just like a gym instructor you know on the floor uh like cleaning cleaning equipment it which is, is pretty what much just a, a cleaning job with some extra responsibilities isn't it <laughs> pretty much yeah so if anyone's like thinking about becoming like a gym instructor in a commercial gym like you know that that's what you're going to be doing um, so yeah, so I did that for a while, you know, became like a fitness manager at a commercial gym, um, did, uh, did a lot of work with some kind of niche stuff. So like, uh, kind of like GP referral and like training for adolescents and, and things like that. Um, and then with like, with my background in, um, in, in sport and in kind of like power sport and, you know, kind of real kind of athletic type events, uh, I thought it'd be great to, to move over into more kind of specific like weightlifting training now uh the way kind of i got into that i started doing weightlifting like uh, like you know snatches and clean and jerks and stuff to uh to help with sport performance to help with uh with throwing you know and getting better at that and to improve power and, and you know and strength and all that good stuff so that's kind of how i started lifting after i'd worked in, in gyms for a while doing standard stuff um and then yeah my uncle owned a, a crossfit box down in brighton um, so it's one of the like one of the first fifty in the UK. I think he opened it back in like two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten. Um, so a long while ago. And then he kind of he helped me to learn, like you know what the stats and clean and jerk were. Um, and then I just kind of ran with it from there, really. Um, you know, and, and started doing it more myself. Uh, and then obviously with like my personal training job and things like that that I was doing at the time, 
um, I just thought it would be a great opportunity to to qualify in and you know and coach Olympic weightlifting, um, as well as the CrossFit and other stuff. You know, the other functional things that I'd got into um, at that point. Um, so yeah, that's really kind of how I how I got into it. You know, just through like an athletic background. Um, stumbled along, you know, along the lifts out of, out of chance, really, just for improving sport performance. And then, you know, luckily being a personal trainer at the time, I was like, yeah, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to learn a bit more about these, get qualified, and try and, you know, try and teach other people as well. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the the background, really. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm. I say we were just talking briefly before off air. Obviously, I think we indirectly first probably maybe met each other we're not too sure um through the the athletics back 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 quite a while ago I mean I was not anywhere close to competitive in anything but um I think I'd I'd definitely heard of you and obviously being a sort of a top level javelin javelin thrower I suppose the term is (laughs) javeliner um it's really interesting obviously because that that transition from that as you say real power dominant sport into weightlifting is is a fairly I'd say fairly natural one almost it's it's kind of they go hand in hand that like there's 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 obviously lots of throwing athletes who are probably using variations of the olympic lifts and derivatives yeah. to to train for their sports um yeah, yeah they do yeah uh, massively yeah. like you know loads of them do uh more kind of like uh more like powers so like power snatches power clean stuff like that um but yeah man like the th- throwers like obviously you got you got like shot putters and stuff like that who are just like massive um, you know, and same with hammer throwing. Well, I've, I've seen some videos of some like absolutely ridiculous numbers being thrown around by like shot putters, and it's like yeah. technique's not perfect, but it's like that's yeah. that's some weight that you're moving. Yeah, man, definitely. Like they're you know they are like powerlifter kind of strength level, and then you've got you've got like javelin throws are quite unique, obviously because it's like a um, it's a lighter implement. Um, you know, you've got it's a bit more dynamic. You've got to run up and things like that. You've got to be able to coordinate a bit more. So they tend to be, uh, you know, kind of like leaner than like a shot putter would perhaps. Um, but yeah, man, they are, they are very strong. Like, you know, like Olympic kind of international level uh, javelin throwers, you know, they're, they're like cleaning like 150 plus, you know, like off, often benching like 150, 160, 170, you know, they're, they're very, very strong. Um, not that I was ever that strong, but, uh, you know, having that kind of, having that athletic background in a power sport, like translated really well. I think it's interesting because when you look at like youth athletes, it's usually just the 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 biggest or the 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 fastest kids or those that are like kind of like most naturally gifted that tend to excel. And it's not until you get to probably eighteen, nineteen, and then upwards that it's like now it actually becomes a, a case of like people actually are on a le- level playing field now. So it's like if you mm-hmm. had loads of skills before, but you weren't very physically gifted, potentially or physically mm. strong or whatever yeah. it's like you can get away with that up until that point but then past then it becomes I, I know from my experience playing playing rugby um going from being quite a tall kid and dominating in in the physical aspect mm. of the game up until I got to like 18 and then started playing like senior rugby and I'm like wow these guys are all 10 stone heavier than me and I just don't stand a chance here mm. and I think that, that, that translates got lots of different sports I think it's really interesting to see that kind of how that goes from like that transition from youth into adult yeah definitely and you know i think from my experience as like a youth and like a junior athlete um it, it's very very rare if someone's like you know top like top three top five in the uk when they're like 15 it's very very rare to find them 
like still at that kind of level of performance when they're in their mid twenties, you know, and actually like competing at that level on like on the the senior stage um, with throwing anyway. And I think there's like a there's a slight difference in that because of the injuries that you're susceptible to. Uh, more so than, for example, like sprinting, where it's it's more common, uh, or like middle distance running and things like that, where actually it's very common that, you know, if you're quite good at, you know, 16, 17, you're going to be quite good when you're, you know, 25 and, and things like that. But in uh, in power sports, like I really don't think it always works like that. Um, because like you said, you know, people people get stronger very quick, they, they grow, they're, they're massive, and they have a clear advantage. Um, but yeah, a lot of that can, can come back to haunt you. So I think if you look at power sports, um, you don't really see that that change like that kind of you know all the way through their career being great at 13 14 15 and then still being great 10 years later um it, it doesn't often happen um, especially in yeah throwing sports where you've got such high demand and and the, the forces are ridiculous through very isolated areas and joints like obviously the sh- in javelin it's one arm and it's the shoulder of that that arm that's yeah taking it's it's very i think in that respect it's very similar to um like baseball and pitches and stuff like that in in terms yeah. of like the, the the pure action of the arm that's going on um and yeah i mean you can you can see there and there's there's obviously lots of examples of throwers that have completely wrecked shoulders elbows yeah. oh yeah 100 and it's very very similar to, to pitching that movement uh like you said and you know i know someone that someone that I used to compete with like they had uh they had like a full elbow reconstruction and like a partial shoulder reconstruction by the time they were like 17 hmm. um like it's, it's it's really like destructive um as a as a movement it's really not very nice um sport, yeah, is, not, sport is not good for you there's nothing uh, not uh, not a like one-sided sport as well <laughs> like one-sided sport is especially bad for you um, yeah, you know, like tennis as well. You see a lot of like, similar kind of conditions in, in tennis players because of how one-sided everything is. Um, you know, like the rotational forces and things like that. Uh, so yeah, man, like yeah, it's it's diff- it's hard. Yeah, weightlifting, about weightlifting. I heard a I heard a story. I think it was a Bulgarian lifter who, because obviously you jerk jerking off at the same leg all the time, and I think he's one of his hips was like inches higher than the other, and so he's sort mm-hmm. of walking around with like almost like a limp because it's. He's so yeah. obviously um, asymmetrical in his sort of yeah. style, but, yeah. but it was perfect for his, his lifting, but not yeah. so perfect for being a kind of like healthy, healthy human yeah. being. <laughs> a functional person, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. And, you know, and that stuff, that stuff happens and you have, you know, you have, you have those muscular imbalances, obviously, but then it's like, what's it doing to your joints? And like, it's changing like your joint mechanics and, and stuff like that, which is when it really becomes a problem. Um, you know, it's, it's it's having of, like people. That's, can, that's the hyper specialist, isn't it? It's someone who's so specialised to one, yeah. one domain that it's at the expense of everything else. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think like you've got to be, you've got to be like that. Uh, you know, in certain certain things anyway, to get to the top level, like that's that's how it has to be. You know, you have to sacrifice like you know, certain things so you can you can perform better in in others. You can't be a great weightlifter and be like you know and have like a four minute mile time. Like it's just yeah. not going to work. So you know you have to obviously be specialised. But yeah, it's um, it's you know, and that's I think that's important to look out for. You know, when you're like when you're coaching people, because if you see people kind of developing massive, uh, you know, like one-sided biases, then yeah, you know, it's like I said, it's how the how the joints move and, and things like that. You know, and what's going on in the hip that's like elevated or like with shoulders, for example. Like what happens if you've been a baseball pitcher for like the past 
like 10 years and you've got loads of external rotation, but you've lost like all of your internal rotation. You know what I mean? Like what, what's happening in there, like to cause that and like where's the strain going when you throw and things like that? Because it, yeah, it's it's difficult. Um, but that's, you know, I like yeah, weightlifting because yeah. it's, it's you're, both sides. You're, what your shoulder is obviously doing the action, but then it's everything your shoulder attaches to. So it's essentially your whole rib cage has had to change. Yeah the biomechanics yeah. or the mechanics to, to accommodate mm. for the fact that you're putting large amounts of external rotation and force through, through one side. So, um, yeah, exactly. But, you know, weightlifting is good in that aspect and that a lot of it is, you know, is like bilateral. So it's good. Yeah. Very different sport from that regard. Yeah. So yeah, I think it'd be a good time to sort of transition. Obviously you, you've, I think you said to me before we did this, that your, your highlight in terms of your coaching highlight was, um, yeah taking an athlete to the Masters World Champs in, was it Barcelona in 2018? Yeah, 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 2018. Yeah, yeah. Three, It'd be great to, to talk through what that was like as a coach, what the process was like in terms of getting the athlete there and just everything about that. Yeah, of course, yeah. No, it was, it's definitely, definitely my highlight. Um, you know, as, as a coach, I think, you know, coaching on like the international stage even at like a master's level is still awesome you know it was a a really good setup it was like a phenomenal kind of experience Uh, and also a really good learning experience for me as a coach like coaching somewhere that uh that kind of high level um you know because there were some serious people there and i'll get on that in a bit but uh but yeah so it kind of started like the beginning probably end of 2017 start of 2018 like i set up Virtus as a club um, and you know like uh, got licensed with British weightlifting and set it up as an affiliated club um, within CrossFit Triple Eight um, which is the it was a CrossFit gym near over um, so the one that Nick uh, ran and yeah like, awesome it was such an awesome box and you know really great to, to like to be there and have the opportunity um, for you know from Nick to, to run the club so that was that was great uh, and yeah started it there um, you know had a, had a few people lifting um, we'll, like I said we'll get into more more of that later I'm sure um, and then, so we had Rachel, um, who was like a real kind of, I'm sure she won't mind me talking about it, um, real like CrossFit fanatic um, and, you know, loved, loved it. Like it went kind of five, six times a week, trained really hard. You know, the like mentality was was spot on. Um, and she, yeah, she's just one of those people where, you know, you put, put your mind to it and you can, you can achieve it. And, you know, she'll make the sacrifices and she'll put in the work to get there. Uh, which from a coach's perspective is great obviously you know if you want to be a high performance coach you need you need people that want to be high performance athletes right that's kind yeah, of exactly. how it works yeah you yeah you can't you can't you can't have one without the other so yeah so after that you know it's just kind of uh, her, her lifts her lifts are pretty good um and you know it just so happened that she was in the master's category so like 35 and over uh and yeah we we started working on you know on technique because she had she had quite a lot of raw strength and then you know you know when you look at it as a coach when you look at like people's kind of raw numbers so you know squats deadlifts uh presses things like that and then you have a look at like their olympic numbers and you kind of you kind of doing like ratios in your head like you know thinking like well how good is that compared to like the, the strength number and you know where the weaknesses and things like that um so yeah you know I looked at that and it was pretty good but there, there was some room to improve you know technically as, as there always is especially at the start so we this, this was kind of like I said probably January 2018 um we we did about probably three months work I think so probably up to about like March yeah probably about March time um I think and then we competed uh down in in Crystal Palace with Rachel and, and Emily um who's uh, another um great lifter that, that we had um and we competed down in crystal palace and that was like rachel's first ever weightlifting competition so uh you know like no idea really how like, the structure worked how the order worked 
like you know dropping the bar properly uh all, all these kind of like these kind of rules that you don't really understand like you know, until you've competed um and yeah went out there and qualified for the world masters which was awesome um you know so that was that was in march and then we had until so that was kind of her qualified uh, and then we had until august for the actual like event itself in in barcelona so obviously lots, lots of training in the lead up to that uh lots of kind of technical work to make sure not only was she you know very comfortable with with the lifts and kind of felt natural but you know getting some real kind of efficiency work in as well so she could lift heavier you know perfectly strong enough to, to lift a little bit more than, than she was just needed a little bit of technical work to kind of help get her there um so yeah we did more you know more work uh rachel was like super dedicated training you know often doing things like you know crossfit and then and then weightlifting afterwards, uh, you know, which I wouldn't necessarily recommend. Uh, but you, you know, to, like, uh, get it to get yourself to the World Masters, like champs. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I don't, I don't recommend doing like five CrossFit sessions a week and doing like three weightlifting sessions a week if you want to do that. But you know, for for Rachel, it, it worked. You know, it worked really well. She was used to an incredibly high volume of training as well. Um, so you know, it, it was it was all right. Um, and yeah, so a bit more work. And then we went out to, to Barcelona um, in, in August of, of 2018 for probably like three or four days, I think. So when we arrived, um, we got we got to like the, the training venue uh, and it was huge. And if you look on like Virtus's uh, Facebook page, I scroll down a little bit. Um, there are there are some pictures and some videos of like the, the venue and it's like it's legit. You know, it's massive. Like um, huge, it was the same. It was the same weightlifting platform. Um, that was used at the, I think, 92, yeah, 92 Barcelona Olympics. It was the same weightlifting platform. That's awesome. Yeah, which is great. And they had like, you know, they had the same weights and stuff like that. And it, it was all, it was really cool. So like a little bit of kind of... A little bit different to the, uh, the, the underground gym room for Crystal Palace. Yeah, hundred, yeah, 100%. Have you been there? Yeah, yeah. That's where yeah. I competed my, uh, my first and only weightlifting competition. Oh, cool! Yeah, so, so you're you know you know what that's like. You've been in the warm up in the basement for right? about four fire doors, and you're like, "Where on earth is this? Like, what's what's going yeah. on?" Here? <laughs> yeah, and you're like, you know, two foot in front of someone else who's trying to lift, right? <laughs> so yeah, that stuff like that, um, and it, it was totally different. There was a, a huge hall, um, two platforms set up like on the stage. Obviously, massive scoreboard behind it, like flags up everywhere. Um, there was like. So next to the, the competition platforms, you had uh, a warm-up area, like the best warm-up area I've ever seen, like full kind of uh, Aleco platforms, full like, Aleco bars, plates, like for each and every person, you know, competing in like a warm-up area. And then you had a proper like training room as well, um, you know, off, off to the side around the back where people could just go in and train on, you know, on the days they weren't competing. So like the first day we got there, we just kind of arrived, did a bit of training. Um, and you know, and just watch some people compete, trying to get like a feel of, of the event. Um, and I think that something is quite important as like as a coach, if 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 you're coaching internationally, is like you you know, if you're following a program, you're like, right, I'm going into this competition in like three days, you know, we're gonna we're just gonna have like an easy session, do you know, stick to like the whatever you've kind of planned and periodized for that bit. But, you know, if you've got to allow for things like uh you know being tired from traveling or being like you're stiff from traveling or just like you know feeling like crap because you slept in like a hotel bed and it, you, know, you didn't have a good sleep or you didn't have a proper breakfast and things like that and like i think it's quite important as a coach to to recognize that stuff and not to uh you know just really see like 
see the overall stress that like an athlete is going through rather than just like the, the training stress, you know? Um, yeah, no, certainly. I think it's, it's, yeah. it's always, or, or not always, but it, it, it's definitely an area that's overlooked is the fact that not necessarily in a sort of a, a, an international competitive sense, but in just in general, I think it's something that's mm-hmm. like, yeah, we as coaches sometimes can get really fixated on the, the technical, the, the the sort of the nuts and bolts side of actually coaching training all that stuff and then just completely miss the miss the point and miss the picture completely in mm. the other 23 hours of the day that that make up that and then obviously we're demanding things of, of athletes of of our clients that we're like well in a physical sense yeah this is where we need to be but that's not even mm. taking into account the fact that you've had a really stressful day at work or you got five hours sleep last night or you didn't get to eat because work's really busy or whatever else that might yeah. be outside of that and it's like we're just like oh well we want you to do this this and this and it's like hang on i they're not in a position physically to to even attempt to doing this stuff and if anything it's actually going to put them further back than they would be if they just scale back the session and took it a little yeah. bit easier definitely yeah you know and, and there's a lot of that to consider especially if you're like two or three days out from a competition you obviously know? the, the so, yeah, problem is when you're on an international stage the issue with that is that you don't have that luxury as much it's kind of like all these things happen and there's the stresses around that but obviously at the end of the day you're, you're still there to compete at a, an, an elite yeah. level which is yeah one to balance yeah yeah it's, it's crazy you know it was it was tough um especially you know going there it was it was august in barcelona it was really hot and you know, even like on the on like their equivalent of like the tube, for example, it was really hot. And like you know, being down there on the way to the on the way to the event, you know, on the way to the stadium, like it just you know, it takes tolls on you that you, you don't expect. Um, especially from like an athlete's perspective, you know, I wasn't even doing anything; I was just standing there. Um, so yeah, uh, it was yeah, it was tough. Um, but yeah, so it was really cool. Like I said, first day, just kind of watching a little bit of training and, and things like that um and you know there were actually some quite like there were some quite big names there actually um in like at the event like for, you know because obviously this is the world champ so we had people from from literally all over like i know it's europe um so you think like you know people kind of stay local but people were there from new zealand um you know australia like all over the states um yeah it was you know south america it was uh, like south africa it was a proper kind of proper world champs it was legit um, and I don't know if you know, but uh, Danny Camargo was there, who was uh, Matty Rogers' coach. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so he was actually competing, uh, which nice. was really cool. But I got to see him lift, which is awesome. Uh, yeah, Jess Lucero um, was there. You know her? She used to lift with uh, no, Catalyst Athletic. Yeah, with like Greg uh, Greg Everett. So like she was there, not not competing, but like yeah, to coach and stuff. So yeah, it was proper like kind of big names there. So I was like fanboying a little bit. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and you know, it just kind of took it easy. Uh, and then when we actually got the, like the event itself, um, so we we started really early. Um, I think we had to be at the at the state like at the stadium for about half five in the morning um have have weigh-ins which was fine for for rachel because you know she was comfortably within like in the weight class anyway um so i had that you know went in and then i think started started warming up um and then and then you get into the whole which is something we can we can talk about uh like competition side of weightlifting coaching um which is from my my short experience of the competitive side of it is just crazy because it's like you go from 
being in like a CrossFit gym training and it's very sort of, yeah, it's, it's, it's so different. It's completely different to obviously how you then get into the, the competitive element of it. And I think it's something people maybe don't consider and don't realize that it, there's actually a huge kind of tactical competitive element to it other than obviously just doing the lifts um oh, man. and of all that backroom stuff that you otherwise wouldn't even realize goes on yeah yeah so complicated and like you know when you're um and it's, it's like you said it, you know it's one thing at like a, a local meet where you know you're you compete with other people and it's just like you know it's you, you know all the coaches there and you know you just kind of everyone's playing fair and it's all fine um but when you're at like an international meet and like you know you you've got people who have been for example like olympic team coaches or, or you've got you know people that have been on like world champs teams for like 10 years in a row and stuff like that who who are there not not like trying to mess with you but like you know they'll take any tactical advantage they can get um so you know things things that are really common in like you know the, the kind of tactical side of, of coaching weightlifting like at competition uh messing with the order so you know like you, you put in an opener at like 50 kilos or whatever and then you know as soon as as soon as you're about to lift you up it to like 75 and then the next person in the order has to lift immediately and they weren't aware they weren't ready you know it's, it's stuff like that um yeah messing with the order messing with people's rest times uh like you know because if uh, if you're following yourself after lifting you get like a two minute um you get a two minute break and there's this one like kind of really it's quite frowned upon um technique that people use where they they'll change their like attempt weight so the clock changes from being you following yourself to being someone else coming in so therefore the clock starts for like a one minute rest for that person and then and then the coach will change the weight again so it means that you are following yourself again but then you've only got one minute yeah and it's stuff like that. It's like kind of, you know, rule rule violations that you can kind of get away with that aren't really violating the rules, but are quite dodgy. And, you know, stuff like that happens, especially if you're up in like medal contention at those kind of events, you know, stuff like that happens. So, yeah, it was a really interesting time um, from like a technical point of view, like me having to coach. Um, and, you know, I've, co- I've coached at like, you know, I've coached some CrossFit people as, as well at, at various bits. And if that is if you're actually in there with like you know a competitor doing an event it's more kind of you know encouragement uh like you know telling them like either not to go too fast at this point or you know go faster at this point stuff like that but like the weightlifting coaching is incredibly technical in terms of um like the you know the attempts you're putting down the order like your tactics like that side of thing is is complicated and takes time to learn and like for me kind of as a new coach who had only had probably about like a year's experience in like coaching weightlifting properly uh, events uh competitions like that was hard um it was really hard athletes aside um, that's a really cool that's a really cool experience to have as a coach and, and one that would be pretty scary i feel like <laughs> to, to go from having had yeah minimal experience to then being on an international stage and um yeah. all of the the kind of yeah you say that the, the all of the the stuff that goes along with that that is from a coaching perspective so athletes completely aside from the situation all of the backroom stuff that it's like otherwise people don't realize happens and i know sort of then having to like warm your athlete up having to be able to time things very well know them well enough that you know what's appropriate for them at the right times 
obviously then having to deal with as you say like changing schedules which it, it can be all over the place like in mm. terms of like how much you might get 10 minutes rest you say you might get a minute's rest like it's, yeah. which might seem kind of like a little bit trivial to people but like that even even the, the difference between one and two minutes in in a sport like weightlifting where it is maximal effort lifting is is night and day like it's a huge difference yeah. and it can make make a huge difference not only physically but mentally to athletes as well mm. like if you have to go out and, and make a lift that within a competitive sense is probably going to be pretty heavy or pretty it's going to be up there in terms of your percentages um yeah and then to get a minute's rest and come out and have to then lift heavier is mm. that's that's mentally very challenging definitely to um yeah. to be in that headspace yeah exactly you know and it was yeah it was, it was tough um but it was it was a really great experience you know like like you said it, it was it was awesome uh, and rachel did really well um you know it was like i just i know i said it at the start but like it's only her second ever weightlifting competition <laughs> like, it, like it's the world championships so like you know she did she did amazing and like was really happy um you know did, did really well got up there and performed um and yeah you know that's kind of akin to like going from i don't know playing sunday league football to to being selected for like chelsea like yeah in, in the space of like a, a, a year like it's it's a yeah, yeah. To, to kind of put that in perspective of what that like actually what that actually means <laughs> literally yeah it was it was crazy um it, and she did so well and like you know the, to have like the mental kind of ability to deal with that um, I, th- I think it's really, really admirable. Um, so yeah, you know, we did that. And from, from a coach's perspective, what you're trying to do is, you know, not not screw that, just like not screw them over. So you, you don't want to screw over your lifter with like, you know, like I said, warming them up too early, warming them up too late, uh, making them take too many warm up attempts, too few warm up attempts. Uh, you know, you've got to really plan it out um, and, uh, and and go through that, which is, which is tough. And you know, something obviously we we can talk about a bit later as well. Um, and yeah, and and that, and that was it really for for the world champs. You know, after yeah, after Rachel did that, you know, performed really well. Um, we were all happy, and then uh, yeah, that was that was kind of the the competition over. Um, but yeah, great great experience. And like, if anyone um, if anyone's interested, like that, that watches or listens to this, that that's into weightlifting um, and, and wants to do it and is over thirty five, then you know, I'd, I'd seriously consider you know kind of seeking out a coach and, and training um because the the targets and like the entry standards for the for the world masters are probably more achievable than you might think um so definitely worth looking at yeah i think especially if people i mean from from my perspective a lot of the the women within weightlifting and especially in the uk now have come from crossfit um mm. and it's only really because of crossfit I'd, I'd say that the sport has grown so so rapidly within the uk um yeah but what that what that means for the sport is brilliant because it means that there's now now a greater pool of potential people to choose from and also there's also more opportunities because i say like probably 10 15 years ago there was little to no opportunities to to train in olympic weightlifting unless you kind of you knew the right person in the right with the right garage that had the right kit whereas now it's it's more of a mainstream sport and i feel like more people have probably heard of it and it's not far off being kind of like a household sport mm. like people have at least heard of it if not just for yeah. profit. definitely yeah you still get people asking you like how much you bench and things like that but yeah like you know people are people are understanding what what olympic weightlifting is a little bit more yeah i think when i was probably like olympic weightlifting and training for probably the best part of a couple of years like i think i benched maybe you know, twice 
over two years. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just, it's not, yeah, not. It's, it's, it doesn't happen. I think, no. yeah, I think since then I've probably benched more in the space of a month than I did over, over that two year period, which is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> bit of a trend. People still ask, though. People still ask. Yeah. <laughs> I think what would be interesting, and we've talked about that a little bit, is in terms of like the, um, your other experiences coaching coaching lifters um i mean before the, the world champs and then sort of after that like and how do you feel like your your approach as a coach changes at different levels so say from that international level down to like a a national or even just kind of like a local competition level yeah so we did like we we did we did quite a few local ones and then uh probably like uh the, the worlds and then um Emily, Emily did compete at the English Championships, but I didn't coach her at the event. Um, but obviously, did all the training leading up to that. And then we had uh, Freddie, um, who got a bronze medal at the uh, British Under Twenty Threes, um, which was great. And then yeah, we had uh, like Nikki and, and a few other people doing like Masters, uh, like UK Masters events as well. So I had quite like a varied experience of like of, of coaching. And I mean, like you know, the first thing is there's less uh that like a lower stakes meet so like you know if you're going to a uh like a local meet you know it, there's very little chance that anyone's going to seriously try and like screw with you and on the order do you know what i mean like people people might you know try and do stuff to to advantage their lifter and give their lifter more rest and stuff like that but it's very unlikely that you'll have someone like consciously screw with you um or you know or, or like with with the lifter that you're coaching to try and get an advantage because um, you know people are just there to set PBs and stuff like that. Yeah, I think that. Um, that yeah, people are the people are there to to compete. I mean, yes, against other people, but against themselves primarily. It's especially kind of as you get to like the lower levels. It's a case of people are looking for qualifications for other other events, or they're just there because it's like they're a weightlifter. They compete. They enjoy it as a sport, and maybe not they're not like a an elite level athlete, but they're there to yeah, you say set PBs and. Yeah. be competitive in in this kind of more recreational sense exactly yeah and that's awesome you know and it's really good coaching those people because then you're as a coach your focus shifts from like all right okay where are they in the order what we've we got to do for this blah 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 you know what what numbers have we got to hit for medals and stuff like that and it changes you know to making sure they're sufficiently warmed up and making sure that they're comfortable with the numbers they're going to try you know and making sure they're comfortable with their like pre-lift routine and, and stuff like that so it's more of a you know you probably do more like uh more kind of technical coaching as in like you know coaching lifters on their technique um in in lower stakes meets um you know because you might have people that haven't been lifting that long and you know you give them more cues and stuff like that whereas at the higher level meets it tends to be more like tactical stuff so like messing with the order and trying to get trying to get your lifter in like the best position possible for like for a medal um yeah which is you know which is what we did at the at the english sorry the british under 23s with with freddie um who's like i think an under 58 um kilo lifter that we had um like she she was awesome you know she did really well and we managed to um she managed to get a, a bronze medal on her like i think that was her second competition ever it was like the british under 23s and she she got a bronze um and you know and we we played that obviously she lifted like amazingly um but we played it quite clever where you know we looked at the order we we considered like you know someone for example had missed like two of their clean and uh yeah two of their clean and jerk attempts you know and then like didn't look very good on the second one didn't even stand up the clean so then like, i was thinking you know like if if they if they bomb out what does freddie then need to lift to get a bronze medal 
you know and, and it's stuff like that like looking at the the numbers and, and trying to work out things like that so that that's kind of the, the difference really i think in in the competition coaching anyway um training training coaching is obviously totally different um, yeah yeah i think that that'll be an interesting that'll be a, a, a good way or a good point to now segue into that kind of talking more about the um the actual coaching side of it rather than obviously competition because yeah. i mean there's probably going to be any anybody listening to this who is is a weightlifter is training weightlifting maybe will be competing very very likely they're not going to be competing at a world level mm-hmm. obviously yeah like through virtue of what that means but yeah i think it'd be interesting to talk about like your your approaches your influences how you how you actually went about the, the coaching process leading into those competitions with the athletes and maybe then yeah. how you yeah how you sort of deal with that in terms of different athletes different um needs and requirements and all that sort of stuff yeah. so what, what would you say some of the influences of your coaching your coaching style um maybe from sort of earlier on in your coaching career then through to to some of those bigger competitions yeah i mean like influences as a coach like i like i, I like a lot um a lot of what greg everett does with uh, catalyst athletics um you know I, I do like that i think he's he's got a very kind of like scientific method you know to, to doing things he you know, he understands things really well. He works with a lot of like varied lifters of different weight classes, different genders and things like that. Um, you know, and it's really interesting kind of learning from, from him. I also followed like a lot of their training programs when I was younger and like and training kind of at the start of when I was training. Um, I followed a lot of Catalyst's uh, athletics training programs um, for lifting. Yeah, so, if no know, one's ever heard of Catalyst Athletics, it's probably one of, and Greg, is is probably one of, is a fairly well known figure within weightlifting internationally and within the US. But there, his his sort of whole platform through Catalyst Athletics is is definitely one that people should check out if if they are in any way interested in training weightlifting or they are a weightlifter. Um, I mean, he's probably got one of the biggest libraries of resources, videos, uh, and just general content on anything under the sun you can possibly imagine to do with weightlifting and it, it would be um you'd be silly not to to check it out at least yeah totally it, it's awesome definitely worth definitely worth looking at um so that was a big influence um california strength as well so like dave spitz um and his team probably hasn't like probably hasn't taken as many people to, to like the world stage as um, as Greg Everett and Catalyst Athletics. Um, but, you know, they do a lot of other cool stuff. So they train a lot of like NFL players and things like that. And they do a lot more uh, like strength and conditioning stuff, um, which is really interesting. And, and they've also got like an awesome uh, like heavyweight lifter at the moment as well. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really good, good watching them. Um, yeah. And then in terms of like probably other influences, like things like the kind of the old, like the old books written on weightlifting by like, you know, the Soviet teams um, and things like that. So the, the, I, I did a lot of reading on like the Soviet methods and the, the Bulgarian methods. So if anyone doesn't know, like the, the Bulgarian method is literally like, it's, it's, it sounds stupid, but it's literally maxed out every day. Like apart from, uh, apart from Sunday, I think. And then Saturday you only lift once. Every other day, you lift twice a day and do like work up to a max attempt, um, and that, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I think um, it's something, something interesting to consider with that as well is the fact that 
the entire support structure that surrounded that so for those athletes they they didn't have to feed themselves because the food is made for them that, that even to the extent of like they were taken around in like golf buggies and golf carts like they barely had to walk anywhere because it's like all of your training all of your kind of adaptation all of your stress and everything in your life is basically geared towards you being a, a, a world champion weightlifter um mm. And they have a huge pool of people to choose from because weightlifting within those kind of countries, Bulgaria and a lot of the um, other sort of Eastern European countries is, is huge. It's a massive, massive um, thing. And it's, it, it's the way it's considered is kind of very highly. So you have a huge pool of people to choose from. And it's kind of like, we're just going to train you in the hardest way possible. And if someone breaks, we have 10 guys who can step in. And what we're going to yeah. do is we're going to keep breaking people until we find the one that works. The yeah. other side caveat to this, obviously, as well as the fact that unless you're taking a significant amount of enhancing substances alongside what you're doing, like this doesn't work. And all of those kind of, a lot of those Soviet countries um, had some interesting sort of supplement regimens that went alongside mm. all their training to, to get them yeah. to where they were. Totally. Yeah. I, I think it's, you know, it's very widely acknowledged that like the Bulgarian teams of the eighties were like, were on loads of drugs and, you know, similar with the Soviets and things like that. So yeah, you know, the, the Bulgarian method hasn't really had like much of a kind of effect on me because it's not really, I don't see it as being applicable. Um, however, like the Soviet stuff is, it's quite interesting because it's got like, there's a lot of research out there on like best rep ranges and things like that um, for, for various, uh, you know, various goals and the type, you know, the ratio of like Olympic lifts to strength lifts and things like that. And there's quite a lot of research out there on, on stuff like that. So that, that was kind of a big, a big influence um and then you know in terms of like actually training training people aside from like the program design side you know which is relatively a standard thing where you know you do some form of like olympic lift and then some form of strength lift you know you might do two olympic lifts and two strength lifts or, or something like that you know what i mean like it's very very kind of like a standard thing um and then in terms of like the dosing if you like with the, you know, the reps and sets and percentages that's something that people are always tweaking you know and something that i always tweak to, to get like, the best out of people um you know on like a continual basis where you know you have a look you see if it's working if it's not working if they're not making any of their squats you know you lower the weight or you lower the reps or, or something like that you know what i mean so yeah very much kind of like a like an adapt and like adjust mindset to that um in terms of like so within that and obviously it's, it's going to depend on the athlete that you you have in front of you but what would you say are some of like the real big rock principles elements that you'd adhere to across all of your athletes programs for like for like train for a training program side. yeah yeah um do like do the olympic lifts like actually do like the full lifts um not not only obviously but but you need to do them. So I think I, I'd never like design a training program that, that only involved power snatches and, and hang snatches and, and stuff like that. You know, there would be the full lifts would be in there like at least at least once a week, you know, have people doing that. Normally, like a standard routine, for example, would be like three days a week, like Monday, Wednesday, Friday or Monday, Wednesday, Saturday or whatever. And then what what I quite like doing is, you know, having the the basics of some kind of uh some kind of snatch lift paired with uh, it's been a while since i've actually done the programming but um what one like one snatch lift with a for example like a back squat because they have more carryover snatch and back squat rather than like a snatch or a front squat obviously um so paired yeah so a snatch and then maybe like a snatch assistance movement so like a hang or like a pull or something like that uh or like sorry a light pull there 
then, for example, back squats, and then kind of pulling at the, at the end. Uh, and the, the idea to that, as I'm, like, I'm sure you're probably aware, is like the whole like neurological kind of fatigue that you get. So uh, like snatches are like probably the least because of the, the amount of load and things like that are like the least stressing really to the body in, in general. And then you've got things like squats, which are, you know, which are more stressful. But then when it comes to like heavy pulls, um, I think it's widely agreed that like they're the most kind of stressful on, on the body due to the, like the way that, you know, the hamstrings are and the, and the low back being generally weaker than like the massive kind of quads that the most people have. Um, so that's kind of really the, the standard structure, for example, on a Monday. And then on a, on a Wednesday, you do something like uh, a clean like some kind of clean variant um, and then like a clean assistance exercise. Then you do front squats um, because obviously clean front squats go together um, and then some kind of like clean pulling accessory movement. And then, you know, some, some accessories as well. And then what I like doing, if someone's kind of, if someone's got like a, a decent level of technique is put in, put in heavy singles kind of once a week, um, normally on like a Friday or a Saturday at the end of the week, like nothing major, um, but just doing like, you know, singles maybe on like, I don't know, like 83%, 85, 87, you know, uh, and 90, and then maybe like 92%, you know, just kind of maybe five sets of, of like a heavy single. And what I think that does is not, not only, you know, good to, to lift heavy because it's what you're going to do in competition, but it builds confidence in like lifting heavy singles. Um, which I think that people, and we could probably talk about this, the CrossFit kind of weightlifting split um, is something that uh, like you don't particularly have so much in like a typical CrossFit program. Um, whereas if, if you want to compete in weightlifting or want to get better, like I think it is important to, um, to have heavy singles in there, you know, fairly often. It shouldn't be like the base of your training program, obviously. But, you know, if you're not ever doing any heavy singles, then like what's going to happen to a competition and you've, you've got to do some heavy singles. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it comes down to, that's the skill of the sport, isn't it? That that's what you are being judged on. That's, that's how you compete in the sport is by lifting heavy singles. So if you're yeah. not doing any element of that within, within your training, you can be doing freeze twos, you can be doing heavy back squats, you can be doing all the pulls and everything, all the accessory work around the lifts you like, but if you never actually have any experience of doing the lifts in isolation in the sense that you're actually going to be competing in, like yeah. so doing the snatch and doing the clean jerk, two heavy singles up 90% and above, like when it comes to competition, you're just not going to have the, the requisite skill or ability to actually carry that out mentally or physically. And it's yeah. like physically it's obvious because it's like, if you never lift heavy, you, you, you're not going to be able to lift heavy, but mentally it's like, I, I mean, it's, it's a pretty, I think this is maybe a unique one within sport and within training. Like if anybody's been had any experience of weightlifting, especially heavy lifts, it's like the snatch and clean and jerk are incredibly technical and they are over in a split second. So like the, the main part of the lift is over in half a second. Um, and then it's kind of like, if you think about that, you've got to do something incredibly technical within a very short time frame. You don't really have time to think about this. It's a stressful experience. Like you, you kind of have to be, in a in a space mentally where you're not really thinking about what you're doing because you don't have time to and if you start thinking about it whilst you're trying to do one of these lifts that's when it all goes wrong and all the pieces start to fall out from underneath you so you have to be in a mental headspace that you're like yes this is heavy yes this is 
95% of one more about this. This is a PB weight I've never attempted before, but I have to be in a kind of cool, calm and collected headspace whereby I can carry this out to the, the, to the technical requirement I need to, to hit the lift uh, and accept the fact that it's, it's heavy. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's it. Exactly. You know, it, it's tough, but you've you got to do it because that's what the sport is. And, you know, kind of to finish up on the, the programming side, um, like there are in terms of rep ranges and stuff, but you know, there are, there are some things that I, you know, I would very like very rarely ever um, do like a full snatch or a full clean and jerk, like more than a double, like very very rarely. Um, I, w- I would never do it more than triple. Um, like I'd never get someone doing like five snatches, for example, like in, in a weightlifting program. Um, and then with like assistance work. Uh, normally it would be like triples, you know, if you're doing like, I don't know, hang, hang cleans or something like that, you know, you're whatever, do triples occasionally, very, very rarely go up to five. If there's some, you know, real kind of technical thing we want to work on. So for example, like a turnover in a snatch, you might do like five, um, like, I don't know, five snatch turnovers from the hip or something like that, you know, with really lightweight to drill in that, that technique um but yeah you know i like keeping the reps low just because generally that's what you do in in competition um you know and i think you have to train for that and squats you know squats normally work for me for about like five reps and below um you know i I wouldn't really so it's interesting when you talk about like assistance exercises and i think there's there's a time and place for like the work capacity stuff so the higher rep pieces but because it's such a skill focused sport and those single reps are your are your sport essentially what you have to consider is and i know it's hard because on the face of it it's like training for the sport is the sport in in this in this respect which is unique to to kind of other like field sports for example Um, and so you have to kind of look at it as like work capacity in this sense means probably stuff like complexes more so than doing lots and lots of reps of the competition lifts because that's not specific to the sport in in any respect like doing fives is not specific to doing a heavy single like it's just not the same Whereas doing complexes, and I know this is catalyst, this is a kind of what they prescribe to and how Greg tends to approach it is having complexes where you can work on work capacity. Yes, but there's elements that transfer and feed into those main lifts. So you say you might be struggling with your snatch turnover. So it might be something like you do a a hip snatch into full snatch. And the idea there being obviously that the the hip snatch is, is emphasizing that quick turnover and you then directly take that into a, into a full snatch, you might do something like a two plus one. So you might do two hip snatch into a full snatch whereby you're practicing that, that technical point into then the full lift. So you have that carryover and that transfer, but you're also then getting work capacity because you are essentially doing three reps, aren't you? For the, for the price of one. And, you know, stuff like that is useful. And, you know, I, I, I plan complexes, you know, normally in like the second lift. So you'll do like some form of element of a snatch and then maybe like a complex. Um, and, yeah, you know, they're, they're really good for fixing specific elements of, of the lift, um, you know, and that's, and that's really important. Um, but, yeah, I don't think like, you know, five reps of a, a snatch really has much like just – I don't think, you know, I, I've never seen any evidence that it's, that it's good for – for lifting heavier in a single, uh, you know, so I don't do it. Um, and, and it's stuff like that that I've tried to build on, you know, so looking at like what, what people get up to, um, you know, in, in a training program and, and how well they do in the competition. And like, it's something that I think I've tried with, with Virtus, I've tried to kind of build like a system almost. So 
we I spent a lot of time looking at like assistance exercises and like what they not only in terms of obviously like muscles what they what they target but um what like technical deficiency they they look to improve so for example you know if, if someone if someone's jumping forward which is like super common then you know i i know that i can fix that in, in pretty much everyone like if i follow the if i do the proper assistance exercises that that stop the jump forward so for example like you, you know you start off with uh like snatches from the high hang so like in the hip crease Right. For example, where you've got someone, you know, standing completely bolt upright, you know, have them just move straight upwards, straight up and down. And there shouldn't be any way, you know, they can they can jump forward then because they're not pushing the hips into the bar. They're just jumping up, you know, similarly with like pulls from that position and things like that. So there are there are various things that I've kind of collated over the years that I've, I've put together to like solve a specific problem in the lips. Um, and that's something that I think is is really important if you want to kind of uh, like systematize your your coaching into into producing like high performance athletes. And that's something that I'm quite proud of with with Virtus, because like you know if you look at uh, if you look at like clubs, you know they'll they'll normally have like one standout lifter, like which is you know which is great and and that's awesome because obviously they're clearly a really high performing athlete and and the coach must be decent as well and that's great. But I think like to be successful as, as a club and as a coach. Um, you know, you want several high-performing athletes. Um, you know, and that's why I was quite proud that with Virtus managed to get like the you know someone in the World Championships, someone um, you know a, a, a novice like someone that had never competed before in the World Champs, someone that had never competed before at um, you know a, uh, like an English silver medal with Emily, someone that had never competed before um, that season with a bronze medal at the Great British Under Twenty-Threes. And it, it's stuff like that, as well as, you know, some really good achievements in the Masters categories as well. I think it's it's systems like that and kind of coaching, like, methodologies that help you to produce really good lifters. So, like, I think, you know, if uh, if anyone's looking for, for a coach, like, I think, I, think, I think they should look for that. They should look for a consistent track record of producing good people from different backgrounds. You know, not just someone who's been, like, a high-level sprinter and then's all of a sudden really good at this other sport. Right. I think I think, I think one good athlete kind of, and and sort of take and then they're ending up at a high level is no evidence of you being good as a coach in, in any respect. Yeah. As you say, yeah. the chances are that person would have made it to a high level doing anything. Like look at I don't know, take football. So Ronaldo would be a world class footballer, probably regardless of what he does. Like whoever yeah. coaches him or whatever, he's still going to be at that level because he's he's who he is. Same idea in yeah. weightlifting. If someone's very good at a base level sort of natural raw ability then they're probably going to be a decent level if they apply themselves regardless of who coaches them regardless of what the program is to an extent yeah yeah um, yeah i think it'd be cool to obviously as I say you talk about like the idea of having that almost if this then that approach to it yeah. and i think that's, yeah. that's really um really i think important for for coaches to kind of develop that because i think it's important to individualize stuff to the athlete and to the person in front of you but there are certain things you say there are certain assistant exercises there are certain ways of approaching problems and solving problems yeah. and it's like it's a bit formulaic in that respect it's like if you if someone presents in a certain way do this with them and you'll probably yeah. get this result and it, it is a bit like that and especially in something like weightlifting where it's like there's going to be individual differences in technique and individual kind of like nuances and how someone moves. But by and large, the lifts look the same for most people and yeah. the way of doing them is the same. There's a very tick sheet, almost criteria of like hit these things and you will be able to snatch 
successfully like there's yeah. deviations from them but for the most part it's very very much the same yeah yeah you're right you're totally right um and you know so i think i think having having almost that that library if you like you know of uh of fault fixers um is something that's been super helpful to me you know and something that I'm, i've spent years kind of building up uh, i'm quite glad that you know i've got that because it you know and obviously not not every not everyone that you coach is going to become like a, an amazing athlete if that's what they want to do like you know they're it's just it's not possible but i think that you know consistently developed technique like across the board is is possible um and i think i think you get that through you know a systematized approach to fixing faults like you said you know if you look at somebody's jumping forward there there are various reasons for that and there are various uh various like cues and assistance exercises that are good for fixing it similarly if uh if someone's not making contact with like the bar at the hips for example or if someone's jumping forward in a jerk like you know there are there are clear reasons for, for why. Um, and if you have the ability to, to address those, then, you know, on, on a large scale and on obviously tailor it to an individual, then you'd probably be a pretty decent coach. Um, and yeah, you know, I think weightlifting is an interesting one because I think it, it's kind of like by virtue of what it is, it, it, it attracts very cerebral athletes and coaches. And then it kind of lends to that idea <laughs> of um, people falling into an idea of, yeah, kind of very kind of like, I don't know, uh, yeah you say systematic kind of thinking around yeah. around approaching it. and i think it breeds that in in individuals and it attracts that in individuals that come towards the sport either as a coach or an athlete um because yeah. it is so technical and i mean it's probably why i like the sport because it's like i, I think in a very technical way as a, around coaching the mechanics by biomechanics all that yeah. kind of stuff yeah. i think yeah it's really interesting how it how it can be a case of like yeah almost sit yes appreciating the body is a really complex system and there's lots going on but also like it's forces and mechanics at the end of the day and you, you have to try and work out how to best apply that to someone's body shape within yeah. a set list of criteria of what is a successful lift and i think yeah. that's a really interesting approach to take to it yeah you know it, i feel yeah i think it's a really good you know it's, it's worked for me and, and versus definitely um and that's you know one of the things i'm quite proud of to establish like a system not like you know i've coached loads of good athletes it's like you, I think your job as a coach is to establish a system in which your, your athletes do well. Like, I think, I think that's, that's the job as a coach. I mean, at like, the end of that, that's all that matters, isn't it? At the end of the day, yeah. if your athletes are doing well from your program, then you're successful yeah. as a coach. Yeah. And it's that system that you provide and, you know, develop that, that helps them do that. And, you know, and like you said, you get people from different backgrounds, different like athletic backgrounds, for example, like Emily, uh, who might watch this, this podcast. I'll try and get her to watch it if she doesn't. Um, you know, you know, she, uh, she had, she'd lifted a little bit before and done a bit of CrossFit, but like was, um, we used to be like a competitive cheerleader, I think like back in, in Canada, like, you know, at like competitive level, you know, competing on like national level, I think it was. And, you know, so she obviously had attributes like, you know, physical attributes that, that made it a lot easier for me and a lot easier for her to succeed in like the system that I was putting in place. So, uh, you know, stuff like her program set as well, which is, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, very, very, very strong. Right. So she had great like physical attributes in that sense. And also, you know, really good proprioception. So she had really good understanding of, you know, if I told her to flatten her back out, you know, she she knew what that, that meant and she could and she could instruct her body to do it, which is not something that everyone can do. Um, you know, so having having those attributes is great. Um, and you know, there are obviously other kind of technical attributes that you need to develop in, like a lifter, um, and then obviously the mental attributes as well, because you can be as strong as you like, but if you're 
if you're not the person who's prepared to like pull yourself under a heavy bar, um, then there's, there's going to be problems. So there are all these different types of attributes you, know, you get with, with people that, that come to train. Um, and I think like, yeah, your job as a coach is to you know, try your best to make them to implement a system in which they'll succeed uh, whilst kind of tailoring it to, you know, their individual needs. Um, but yeah, it's very, it's very different to like coaching CrossFit, which is something we can maybe talk about. Yeah. I think that'd be a good place to kind of talk about then just sort of before we then we send start to sort of close up and finish. But yeah. So you've obviously, I mean, same as me, you've had experience coaching within both weightlifting and then within the, the CrossFit side of it, which on, on to, to people who are kind of unfamiliar it might look very similar because it's it's the same types of movements in the weightlifting sense at least that are involved in both sports but I think it'd be interesting to, to hear your experience of coaching specifically weightlifting within both contexts and then how you kind of see the differences and similarities between that yes yeah, so I mean like um they're they're both they're both about efficiency of movement um, and I think that's important. So, you know, it's important that people move well and, uh, and do the lifts correctly, right? And and, and that's, that's important, obviously. Um, the main difference I see is that um, I, don't, I don't really see, uh, like, a place in CrossFit for the majority of people that do it. I don't see a need for them to lift, like, an, an incredible amount of weight, right? And, like, a maximal weight. So, therefore, if I was, like, coaching people in, in CrossFit – I would be more and I have been more kind of akin to getting them moving well and making sure that the lifts you know, look like they should and that they're not going to hurt themselves and that their movement's efficient and they're doing it right. Um, but that will be the key, not like, you know, you're, you're doing five singles today. You know, you have to lift really heavy or, you know, because most of the time in CrossFit, you're not doing that. You're probably doing like a set of 10 snatches or something, you know, a relatively heavy weight or you're doing like 15 at a lighter weight. Um, you know, and you have to cycle through them really quickly. So like the whole barbell cycling kind of thing, which has come about as a term in like, you know, the past few years, um, I think is very important in CrossFit, whereas in weightlifting, it's just, it's not, you know, like are you, I just, I, that's not, that's not applicable to doing one heavy lift. Um, you know, so, so those are the kind of differences, the main differences that I see um, in like coaching weightlifting for CrossFit. Um, it, it's just getting people like more efficient. And, you know, and then if, if, for example, you have a competitive CrossFitter, which I haven't really got that much experience in, to be honest, like coaching competitive CrossFitters at all. Um, but uh, I think if you have a more, and I haven't done a few, if you get a competitive CrossFitter to come to you, like, I want to get better, you know, then like, then I just train them as a weightlifter. Like, I don't, I don't train them as a CrossFitter. Like, you know, if they come to me and they're like, and which a few people have, I think uh, I trained with uh, Josh for a little bit. Um, that was, uh, I think, Stags and Does. Um, yeah. So I, I coached them for like a session or two. Um, and, you know, if, if people come to me like that and they're like, I want to get better at, at this lift for CrossFit, then I'll just train them like a weightlifter. Um, he's, a, he's a great example of a, of a guy who's a bit of a freak athlete in, in respect of where he's coming from through his sort of swimming background into just being an absolutely ridiculously strong mm. guy for for his age. Like, I mean, I think what was like, probably I think nine, 18, 19 when he's hitting kind of hundred mm. kilo snatches, which yeah. maybe at like an, an international weightlifting level is not all that impressive, but like for, for Cambridge here, that's, that's, that's going some, that's good. <laughs> good. Yeah. And, you know, and, and stuff like that. So for, for the vast majority of people that do CrossFit um, and like, and if I was coaching a CrossFit class, which I've done loads of at triple eight, you know, and I love doing that with, with Nick and the rest of the team there, um, you know, I just, you just coach efficiency of movement. 
um, you know, queuing, like there's a lot more queuing because people often don't know the movements as well, making sure people don't overload it, you know, making sure they're just kind of safe and, and doing, doing the right movements. Because I think, you know, if you look at it from like a value and a gain perspective, like I think there's more, there's more value to be gained from someone going to a CrossFit class to learn how to do the lift well, rather than how to do it heavy. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's like that kind of my... Yeah, that's what I think. About yeah, that. weightlifting as a weightlifting as a concept is it, it, it's the lifts and it's all that surrounds the lifts in terms of like um, technical aspects. But then the application of that is 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 a, it's different, isn't it? It's, it's a different application to weightlifting the sport, to weightlifting within CrossFit, to weightlifting within strength and conditioning for sports yeah. outside of both of those realms. Yeah. Um, and it's on the face of it, it is the same thing. It's, it's, it's lifts and it's the two lifts and it's the derivatives of those, but then how that, how that is coached is, is different and how that should be approached is different across those mm. different modalities. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it, it can, there can be kind of infighting and it all gets a little bit trivial sometimes in terms of like, oh, what crossfitters aren't lifting properly and uh, like, we're not doing it for this and, and like full lifts aren't relevant to S and C and it's kind of, you get all these different conflicting viewpoints around it but i think it's just it's 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 hard because it's like a snatch in crossfit and a snatch in weightlifting and snatch for the the throwing athlete for example they're all called the snatch but in reality yeah. they're very different they're not the same thing yeah. when it gets to that yeah. that kind of distinction um and i yeah. think it's important to understand that exactly yeah you know and you get you and you, you know you hear people like oh he lifts like a crossfitter and stuff like that you know what i mean when when people are doing snatches and clean and jerks and stuff and like there are you know it, not not in a derogatory way but there there are differences usually like you know you may see like you often see crossfitters with more active arms during that because they're you know they're constantly doing pull-ups a lot of the time they're doing kettlebell swings they're doing things that require grip um whereas weightlifting requires like no grip strength you know like you do you do the hook grip completely slacken off your forearm and just like lift right so like that that's a big difference and like crossfitters are used to kind of gripping onto things so you'll often see like a bit of an, like an early arm bend and things like that and like a, a preference towards uh like catching the bar a little bit higher because it is more efficient you know if you can catch it higher then you should uh, you your know, body will always self-organize itself into the most efficient movement pattern and it's like he lifts yeah. saying like, oh he lifts like a crossfit because he does he lifts like a crossfit because in crossfit yeah it makes sense to do it that way because that's the yeah. most efficient movement pattern based on their ability to, to produce movement yeah. in weight. Yeah, exactly. Very different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, if you don't, you don't need to do that. And it, it just depends what athletic background you come from, you know? Um, and then I know obviously you've, you've coached CrossFit as well. Like, you know, coaching, like coaching a CrossFit class. Um, like, you know, so I'd be interested to see, you know, what, how you feel about coaching that versus coaching weightlifting specifically yeah it's different and it is it is and it's kind of like you, you maybe look at it from a weightlifting coach perspective and you're like that is just not it's not what needs to be happening like technique wise and because yeah they're very technical lifts and people take years to master them and you come into a crossfit class and potentially you're introduced to these lifts over the course of a few weeks um and then kind of throwing it into a high intensity environment um and I, yeah, I, I have some issues in, in that regard with it, but I think the, the, at least the sentiment behind it is, is good and it, it's okay in terms of like the idea of power production, um, 
and doing things that are, are enjoyable fun because it, they are fun to do um yeah maybe yeah the application of it is, is a little bit a little bit misguided in that respect sometimes and i think it depends again on the coaches the individuals the, the gym itself yeah. but Definitely. yeah i think there's sometimes that there, there's elements of that that probably don't need to be included within a class setting um and there's just not the not the appropriate amount of time or or, or kind of like people's commitment to learning that learning the movements correctly before they're yeah. throwing them into a high high intensity environment that's not suited yeah. to 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 that to, in all in all respects um yeah yeah that's probably my viewpoint of it and it's like yeah as a coach it's hot it's tough because if i have a, have a room full of i don't know somewhere just like 20 people or, or maybe less like 16 yeah. 20 people and it's like cool we've got some snatches in the workout today um that's tough because it's like i can't coach oh. 20 people how, yeah. to, how to lift like in in a session um mm. it's hard enough to coach one person in a session let alone that many so it's kind of yeah. like you are just kind of i don't know you, you're just corralling people towards a, a kind of an aim at that point you're not really yeah. providing much value in a coaching sense but yeah it's different certainly it's different there's a different there's a different sort of intended outcome from both of those different elements but yeah it's a hard one as a coach to kind of yeah definitely i mean you know, in, in a class scenario like you said if you've got loads of people doing snatches or whatever like my my focus switches from like making sure that they're doing it the most efficient way possible to making sure they're not going to hurt themselves and like if that because because I, I think i think and uh, i know you study strength and conditioning so i'm sure you'll be well aware like i think the number one role as a coach isn't to make people better at sports to make sure they don't get hurt like that you know that's number one um, and I know like S&C coaches kind of swear by that as well. You know, I mean, as, as S&C coaches, the, the strength conditioning we do relatively has a, has a pretty small impact on the athlete's ability to play their sport. Like their ability to play a sport comes from their technical attributes within that sport and their skills within that sport. We are to, a, to an extent increasing performance, but the, the big thing we're aiming to do is not injure them or keep them injury free so that they can spend more time playing their sport. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the idea, you know, and that's something that I've always like stuck by. So if I'm coaching CrossFit and there's lots of snatches, for example, like I'll just make sure that people don't get hurt. So, you know, if, if people really struggle when the bar goes like below the knee and you know, keeping the back straight in the first pull, like I'll just change it to hang snatches or something, you know, and make those little adjustments. And, and it's interesting because people like people on the weightlifting side say things like, there's no reason that anyone should ever do like 15 snatches in, in a wad, for example, like 15 snatches in a row. And, like, and I disagree with that. And I think there are reasons that you should do that. But I think those reasons aren't anything to do with weightlifting. So like they are, you know, they're doing 15 snatches because it's hard. You know, it's like it's metabolically taxing. Um, and like, yeah. and you know, and that, and that, I think that's a it's reason in itself. Of you, isn't it? People can't look past the fact that it's a snatch, it, it, and it's like yeah. they get that stuck in their head, and it's like, oh, it's a snatch, so it should. This is what it should be. But it's like, yeah. mm, no, <laughs> it's different. Yeah. It's completely different. Yeah, it's, exactly. And, it's and that's the same name, mind. but that's as far as it goes in terms of the um yeah. the sort of similarities between those two things. Yeah, because you're using it for a different thing, aren't you? Like you're not you're using it for a. It's the same as like keeping pull-ups in a way. So you're using it for like a conditioning tool rather than like a maximal strength tool. Like no no one's saying like you know lift like lift your one rep max snatch for fifteen reps. Like no no one's saying that. Um, <laughs> That'd be fun to it, see. <laughs> 
yeah it's like it's this it's a different stimulus isn't it that you want to elicit and that's the i think that's the key message that like if you're you know if, if you're someone that that does like crossfit and you look at weightlifting or like you know you're someone that does weightlifting and looks at crossfit or does both then like you know they're they're different like they include the same things and you you have exposure to olympic lifts doing crossfit but um but yeah you're not you know you're you're not you're not doing the same you're thing. not an olympic lifter you're a crossfitter and it's yeah. different isn't yeah. it yeah, and and that's great, you know. And I think I think CrossFit's got like a load load of good points, you know. And I co- coached it for a long time, and coaching it like if you were to coach it, I think actually there are some things that are a lot more difficult about coaching CrossFit and like managing the massive amount of like load that you're putting on the body, you know, the massive amount of intensity um, that you're you're undergoing, and like you know more more knowledge and more kind of more tools in the in the toolkit if you like to to deal with things like you know different metabolic pathways and stuff like that and training people for their specific weaknesses in crossfit uh which you know i don't profess to have that much knowledge about um so it's a, it's a really different ball game um, yeah, even though it's, it's very tough to go from like weightlifting where realistically you're you're coaching the te- technical aspects even with like a real beginner the technical aspects of maybe 10 lifts at max and realistically that's just derivatives of two lifts <laughs> And so, and then you go into CrossFit where it's like, now you've got like 50 potential movements and derivatives of those movements and combinations of those movements. And it, yeah, it's, it, it becomes very complicated very quickly in that respect. Yeah. Yeah, And and I'm, you know, I'm sure you'll, you'll know this about the whole like kind of high intensity interval type thing. Right. And like, I think a lot, a lot of the stimulus, like the actual stimulus that you want to get out of a CrossFit session is, is missed in a lot of programming. So like, um, you know, I, I don't think just because it's hard, it's better. Uh, and I, you know, I think I think that's something that is there in a lot of CrossFit. Um, you know, that you do something hard and, it, and it's better, and that that is definitely prevalent. Um, but you know, if for example you're doing like, you know, like lactate intervals, for example, like you know, you might what what is it like a something like a one to like a one to eight or one to four kind of oh, like work to if not radio. more in terms of yeah. like lactate stuff it's yeah you're probably looking anywhere up to like one to ten in terms of work to rest yeah yeah like one to eight, eight, really. like, yeah yeah because like i think it's it's not really understood that like so most most people like an average person like cannot work to like the the intensity that lactate like intervals require for like three minutes two minutes yeah. you know which which is what what a lot of these kind of uh these sessions put people into they put them into kind of weird mixes of stuff which just you know is it's hard it's hard for 15 minutes but you know like your heart rate's up at like 180 in the first 90 seconds and then you're just kind of struggling to keep going which from like from a stimulus point of view like i, I wonder yeah 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 <laughs> I, I i'd agree and i mean it's it, it, it's just a misunderstanding i think in terms of like the physiology um and i say there's some very very good elements of it and i think some 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 coaches some gyms get it right and some don't and i think you could probably say that of any sport and any any sort of coaching scenario but yeah i think there's 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 certain elements of it and a lot of it is just unknown in the sense of like there's the scientific testing around it is kind of catching up with it as it goes. Um, mm. But there's certainly some claims that are made and some kind of people are like, we're doing this training for this reason. And it's like, you don't know that. Like yeah. you yeah. don't know that. And, and it's not true <laughs> like physiologically, yeah. like, simply yeah. like, 
And I, I don't even mean that about CrossFit. I mean it about like HIT in general, right? Because it's something you see in the fitness industry all the time. Like I'm going to a HIT class and it's like 40 minutes of like continual work. Mm. But it's like, yeah, I don't think that's really HIT, but all right. You know, it's, yeah, I mean, it's if stuff you like look that. Back at like the early literature around that, kind of, like stuff like Tabata intervals, like the early yeah. literature around that is like, it's just been absolutely like misconstrued and, and yeah. the original like the original kind of Tabata was like athlete. now very very different to what we see yeah. today yeah and I think Tabata was like originally tested in in like scientifically on Olympic athletes yeah I think so I can't remember quite what the sport was yeah it was cycling or something like, on because uh, yeah, that's, that's sure. what lab tests are done on it because it's easy to to test that kind of stuff um, yeah and I'm pretty sure that it was you know it was Olympic athletes because like barely anyone else has the the ability to work at that high intensity like for that period of time yeah. because you know like if, if you get like an untrained person for example and like get them to do like two like even two rounds like of tabata um you know like like 40 seconds or whatever if you get them to that flat out like you've, you've lost like you know they won't be able to do any more at that intensity there are very so few athletes in the world that that can tolerate and buffer the level of lactate that would actually be actually be produced from doing those at a true the the true intensity that they're required to be done at realistically like and 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 most other people that are doing those it's kind of it's just hard work and it's not necessarily the same the same thing physiologically no and people like it because it's hard work and that's fine but i just i just think it's like from a coach's opinion like it's it's more from a point of view of a coach it's quite important to to like tell people that and you know and, and and let them know and not you know not kind of mislead people and just be aware that you know what you know you're doing this for for a reason it's because it's hard it's not you know but if you're training athletes you're like as i'm sure you're aware like it's an entirely different thing yeah yeah very different you don't just do things randomly because <laughs> it's hard work you do things that are very targeted that are hard work um yeah yeah exactly but yeah awesome Anyway, I think yeah, it'd be good to to sort of wrap up there. I mean, is there anywhere if if you want to be found, where where can people find you? Um, is there anything you you want to sort of point people towards in terms of resources that you have out? Uh, yeah, cool. Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, I, I don't mind being found. Um, I my so you can go on Virtus Virtus Weightlifting Club's Facebook page, which is still there. Um, and it's got a lot of uh, it's got a lot of really good uh, literature on there, and like you know, important kind of uh like musings from competitions and things like that and pictures and like you know like informative stuff so have a look on there um have a look on the the youtube channel as well so virtus weightlifting club we've got some really cool stuff um and yeah i mean you know they obviously haven't haven't been active like virtus for for a while uh, that's to do to do with a, a few things most recently obviously because of because of covid um there are a few people who have, who have reached out and said they're interested in uh, in competing again um you know in like in the year kind of the year to come um so yeah you know if anyone out there wants to do do some weightlifting and they want to get in touch and have a chat like you know feel free contact me through the the versus weightlifting club page and yeah we'll uh, we'll go from there yeah awesome i'll get those put down in the show notes and yeah if any i say if anyone's interested in competing or just i suppose wants to talk to you about about the process if if they are looking to compete at a higher level um you've got plenty of insights that i'm sure would be really helpful for anyone Anyone yeah. that the 20 listeners that might happen to be like a, a, a world level 
weightlifter who knows <laughs> no, I don't. and you know like um having yeah um obviously once once covid's gone then and, and once everything's opened up you know then yeah, the, the training and competition opportunities will obviously be larger um and yeah you know i think it's very highly likely that that i'll be taking like at least one person to uh some competitions depending whether you know later this year or, or next year um so yeah definitely get in touch if, if you're interested um, yeah awesome man been been great to chat Cool. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, rest of your rest of your evening or or night yeah. now, and uh, hopefully talk soon at some point. Then. Yeah, definitely. No, it was great. You know, I hope people find it informative. Like, you know, it's good to chat. I think the um, obviously there'll be a lot of CrossFit people that, that watch this, and it's great. And that's why you know wanted to talk about the differences between the two because you know, like you said, a lot of a lot of weightlifters come from CrossFit, and if if what we spoke about today interests you and you want to do some of that, then yeah, you know definitely um definitely speak up and find either like myself or or someone else who who can help um because yeah it's a cool sport yeah awesome man great to chat yeah you too thanks for taking the time see you soon yeah bye okay guys that's it for today thanks for listening in to another episode of the apex delta coaching podcast have a look down below for all the show notes resources and links or search for Apex Delta Coaching on social media or just Google apexdeltacoaching.com and you'll find our website. Lastly, if you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe and leave a review. Any support is really appreciated and it helps to grow the podcast so more people can benefit from it going forward. Thanks for listening. Have a good week. Stay safe and we will talk soon.